Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. We've got 29 September, Sunday. Time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. Let's see. we got some visitors here today from Ohio. we got Bill and Debbie Heitert. Iowa. Iowa. Why did I say Ohio? I did that earlier, too. Iowa. Thank you. We've got Bill and Debbie Heitert here from Iowa. And uh, they're down visiting their friends who are visiting the church for the first time as well. And that's Drew and Jan with two M's on Jan. So uh, there you go. Welcome. I'm Thank you all for making the effort and coming here today. I appreciate it very much. And let's see here. Our first category, as always, is Israel. It's uh, from Aretz Shiva, and it's concerning the deal of the century, which has been coming and coming and coming, and, well, it's delayed again. Deal of the century is to be significantly delayed. U.S. official says that the election results have changed the picture and the peace plan won't be published anytime soon. Once again, we see the Lord's hand in what's going on in the end times. He's got a plan that says right here, let me take you to the beginning of the book of Acts and just read you what it says because people love to predict dates of the rapture and predict what's going on with this and predict what's going on with that. And It says, I'm going the wrong way. You've got to go forward if you want to get to Acts there, Charlie. Anyway, we'll go to Acts chapter 1, which Paul re- repeats in his epistles as well. And he says these words, he says, this is Jesus speaking, And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And Paul uses the same context when he uses the the same term, times and seasons, that we are not going to know these things. We can have a general sense of what's going on in the world because Israel's back in the land, but we are not to be prognosticating and setting dates for the rapture and all of these crazy things that people do. But they still like to do it. The Lord has his timetable. And we'll wait on that. From the Times of Israel, Putin says Russians consider Israel a Russian-speaking economy. Putin made the statement his strongest public expression of kinship with the Jewish state to date during a speech in Moscow at an event organized by the United Israel Appeal. He says citizens of Russia and Israel are connected by ties of family, kinship, and friendship. This is a real network, a common family. I say without exaggeration, Israel has almost 2 million Russian-speaking citizens. One of them is taking care of our streaming right now from Nazareth. We consider Israel a Russian-speaking state. Putin also said he would travel to Israel in January at the invitation of the Israeli President Rivlin to attend events dedicated to the 75th anniversary of the liberation of the Auschwitz concentration camp and International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Trade between Israel and Russia rose by 9% in 2018 over the previous year. Russia maintains strong ties with some Russian-speaking countries, offering them beneficial trading terms and political support. It has also demonstrated a high level of intervention, sometimes hostile, in Russian-speaking countries. But we know that Russia is one of the main people that are going to be coming against Israel in the future. We don't know how soon that is, but the nations are lining up rather well for that to happen right now. We've got uh, uh, an alliance of Russia and Iran and Turkey, which is being solidified more and more. I read a great article on that from the Jerusalem Post this week. Uh, Libya is in play, and also the uh, 
area to the South Sudan. That general area is in play. And when all of the players are lined up, there will be a battle which is coming against Israel known as Gog Magog. And so we'll just see where that goes. But for right now, Putin is saying that they're on friendly terms. From the Times of Israel, I've read something about this before. It was a couple months ago. It's a rather interesting thing. We had an article come up on it this past Sunday because past Sunday was the uh, 40th anniversary of this event. Uh, it's did the Carter admin cover up a 1979 Israeli nuke test? Forty years ago, an American satellite detected two flashes of light in the Atlantic Ocean south of South Africa. U.S. military analysts at the Patrick Air Force Base in Florida, who examined the data from satellite Vela 6911, that's where it gets its name, it's called the Vela Incident, quickly concluded the flashes were the telltale sign of a nuclear detonation and promptly notified the military chain of command. Then President Carter was briefed on the apparent nuclear test on the same day and convened top advisors and national security officials in the White House Situation Room the following morning. A lengthy and detailed report published in Foreign Policy magazine on the test's 40th anniversary, which was last Sunday, argues that Carter then made a conscious decision to ignore the believed test, not wanting to overshadow his foreign policy successes in an election year and out of fear that it could undermine the U.S. backing that enabled the forging of the new Israeli-Egyptian peace treaty signed that year. If Israel conducted a test that day, it could constitute a violation of the 1963 Partial Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. It could also mean the almost automatic cancellation of U.S. military and financial aid for the violating state. In order to avoid many problems raised by an Israeli nuclear test, the FP report argues Carter decided to cover it up. I would say probably knowing Carter's character, it was mostly to cover up his reputation. He had done the Camp David Accords, and he was in an election year, and he didn't want that interrupted by anybody. That's my guess, but he couldn't care at all about Israel and Israel losing its military aid. He's an anti-Semite for the most part. He does not like the state of Israel. He has never supported them, and if that was the only impetus for him releasing this, he would have. But he is, was an opportunist president. He was one of the worst presidents we've ever had in our history, and he's still out farming peanuts to this day. Um, an eight-member scientific panel formed by the White House concluded in May 80 that it is our collective judgment that the September 22nd signal was probably not from a nuclear explosion. FP explains that the panel of distinguished scientists and engineers dismissed all evidence that suggested otherwise. This included the Naval Research's lab analysis that had located the blast ground near the Prince Edward Islands, about 1,000 miles from South Africa's southern coast, using hydroacoustic data and claims regarding possible detection of radioactive iodine-131 in thyroids of Australian sheep, which could have only come from a bomb test. So that's kind of interesting there. From the Times of Israel. At the United Nations, Trump calls on Mideast nations to formally normalize ties with Israel. Kind of interesting what's going on there. And then from the Superior Word News, first Arab astronaut takes off to the ISS alongside Jessica Meir, an Israeli father. So you have an Israeli descendant, a girl, uh, an American, but she's the daughter of an Israeli father and an Arab, the first Arab to go into space, going up to space together to the International Space Station. So, a little interesting there. 
from Christian News. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I'm going to go ahead and mention it again right now, is that we have a person that attends the Superior Word online. His name is Ray Dell. He's going to Uganda on the 15th of October, which is 16 days away. And if it comes to your mind while you're out and about uh, doing your life, I would ask that you would stop and pray for Ray. He's uh, uh, going there to do some missionary work with our friend Isaac, uh, who's over there in Uganda. And so just if you think of it, pray for Ray. From Fox News, Trump announces $25 million fund, new business coalition to protect religious freedom. While they were having their UN uh, meeting on some hocus pocus over there, he was doing this instead. Trump announces $25 million fund. Trump became the first American president ever to convene a meeting at the United Nations headquarters focusing solely on religious freedom. In a speech Monday, the 73-year-old called for the nations of the world to do their part to end religious persecution. The event was called Global Call to Protect Religious Freedom and was attended by Trump, Vice President Mike Pence, and Secretary of State Pompeo. So I love the guy. I love what he's doing. And uh, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks as far as the impeachment trials that are going on in the uh, House. But what a bunch of bogus malarkey that's going on. He's being railroaded by these people. I read an article, which I posted on Facebook yesterday, that they actually changed the law a couple months ago before announcing that they were, uh, you know, had this this person that reported on Trump about the Ukrainian issue. They changed the law from, you must be a first-hand witness of a crime, to being hearsay. They now allow hearsay in this, and it was intentional. They set it up in advance, and then they released this report. So everything that they have done since the day they took over the House has been geared towards impeachment. And so let nobody be mistaken about that. He's done nothing wrong in this regard, and yet they will continue to go through with this because it is their agenda to get this president out. He's working against all of their agendas. He's working against their ungodly attempts to usurp the United States of America's government, and they will do what they can to do it. So we'll see where it all pans out, but uh, we want to keep our president in prayer. From Breitbart, again, Donald Trump at the United Nations. Most of you probably saw the speech or read the outlines. For those of you who didn't, I'd like you to know what he said. He said, human rights come from God, not from government. The United States is founded on the principle that our rights do not come from the government, they come from God. This immortal truth is proclaimed in our Declaration of Independence and enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution's Bill of Rights. Trump noted that 80% of the world's population live in countries where religious freedom is in danger or outright banned and called for the world to end religious persecution and release prisoners held for professing their belief. As president, protecting religious freedom is one of my highest priorities and has always been. The president noted sadly that an estimated 11 Christians are killed every day around the world for following their faith. Our founders understood that no right is more fundamental to a peaceful, prosperous, and virtuous society than the right to follow one's religious convictions. Trump vowed that the United States would always stand for religious freedom and urged all governments to do the same. We ask the governments of the world to honor the eternal right of every person to follow their conscience, live by their faith, and give glory to God. This is a quote right from him speaking at the United Nations. Trump was introduced at the event by Vice President Mike Pence. Pence specifically called out ISIS terrorists and countries such as Iran, 
China, Nicaragua, and Venezuela for their abuses against people of different faiths. So good stuff from our president at the United Nations this past week. From the Christian Post, Iran imprisons bookshop owner for selling Bible as crackdown on Christianity continues. Reports have indicated that Mustafa Rahimi, a bookseller from the Kurdish town of Bukhan, was sentenced to months in prison on charges of selling the Bible. Imagine that. We can have a Bible anytime we want. We can sell it. We can give it away. We got a girl in the projects that goes with us every week. Unfortunately, she didn't show up to church today, but she's known as the Bible lady down there because she hands out Bibles so much. And here, this guy is being imprisoned for selling Bibles. In July, Christian convert uh, Maruch Kanbari was sentenced to one year in prison on charges of acting against national security. This is another person. She was also accused of engaging in propaganda against the system. Kanbari was arrested last winter when three security agents searched her home and confiscated Bibles and other Christian-related material. Also in July, Iranian intelligence officials raided the homes of eight Christian converts in the southern city of Boucher and charged them with actions against national security and claimed that their participation in a house church constituted membership in an illegal organization. So you have a house church in Iran, you can get imprisoned. If you sell Bibles in Iran, you can get imprisoned. If you say the name of Jesus out loud, you can get imprisoned. It's really sad what's going on there, but that's why Vice President Mike Pence said in his speech after the president that uh, these nations are doing these things. So we're very blessed in this nation. We need to remember these people and to keep them in prayer because they're facing real trials simply for calling on the name of Christ. From the Christian Post. China makes churches replace Ten Commandments with Xi Jinping quotes. So they have now taken down the Ten Commandments, which we've said in a couple of other prophecy updates, but in place of them, they've got quotes from the leader of China. Churches across China's central province of Henan have been forced to replace the Ten Commandments with President Xi Jinping's quotes amid pressure from the government. Bitter Winter reports that the Ten Commandments have been removed from nearly every three-self-church and meeting venue in the county of Luyang City and replaced with the President's quotes as part of the Communist Party's efforts to sinicize, that means make more Chinese, Christianity. The biblical commandments given to Moses, which include, you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself a carved image, have been replaced with quotes from Xi, including excerpts from his speech at a Central United Front Work Department working meeting back in 2015, where he says, the core socialist values and Chinese culture will help to immerse various religions of China support religious community in interpreting religious thought, doctrines, and teachings in a way that conforms with the needs of the progress of the times, resolutely guard against the infiltration of Western ideology, and consciously resist the influence of extremist thought. So instead of having the first and second commandments, they've got that nonsense up on their walls now. Because disobeying the orders is seen as opposing the commie party, Some three self-churches have been shut down for not implementing the rule, while others have been threatened to be blacklisted by the government. So imagine that. This is what they're facing in China while we're sitting here fat, dumb, and happy. Very sad stuff going on. From Islam today, Breitbart, Trump admin tells UNC Duke to revise Islam program or lose taxpayer funds. I'm so glad we have this president here because the last administration 
was pushing this type of stuff. Here we go. The Trump admin is calling on the UNC and Duke University to revise their joint Middle East studies program. According to the Department of Education, the program offers very few, if any, programs focused on the historic discrimination against religious minorities in the Middle East and lacks balance, focusing on the positive aspects of Islam while having an absolute absence of similar focus on the positive aspects of Christianity and Judaism. The Department of Education says that Duke and UNC are misusing a federal grant to advance ideological priorities and is ordering the Duke-UNC Consortium for Middle East Studies to revise its joint program or risk losing federal funding. The Duke-UNC CMES appears to lack balance as it offers very few, if any, programs focused on the historical discrimination faced by and current circumstances of religious minorities in the Middle East, including Christians, Jews, Baha'is, Yadzis, Kurds, Druze, and others, states the DOE letter. Also, there is a considerable emphasis placed on the understanding of the positive aspects of Islam, while there is an absolute absence of any similar focus on the positive aspects of Christianity, Judaism, or any other religion or belief system in the Middle East. The Trump admin says that the lack of balance perspectives is troubling and strongly suggests that Duke UNC CMES is not meeting the legal requirement that mandates national resource centers to provide a full understanding of the areas, regions, or counties. In June, Education Secretary DeVos ordered an investigation into the Middle East program after Representative George Holding, who is a Republican from North Carolina, noted that it hosted a taxpayer-funded conference with severe anti-Israel bias and anti-Semitic rhetoric. The investigation is a part of a broader effort by the Trump administration to root out anti-Semitism on U.S. university campuses and that investigators concluded the program had intended to use funds on offerings that are plainly unqualified for taxpayer support, adding that foreign language and national security have taken a back seat to other priorities. I'm so grateful for the president we have and the choices he's making and the people he has appointed that are rooting this type of stuff out. From zero. Charge in, in tuition. Why do they even need tax? Why do they need taxpayer-funded money? I don't know. I've never quite understood that, but they do get it, and as long as they're getting it, they have to abide by these rules. And they have not, because our previous administration pushed these things on the United States of America. They've got their people in all levels of education in this country, and they are destroying the minds of the people through bias. You know, teachings. Absolutely. From Zero Hedge, Swedish man fined $2,000 for someone else's hate speech. Now imagine this. Yes. Imagine this. We're here once again. You get, you're in Facebook jail every 15 minutes. So, but he's never been fined for it. Here we go. Listen to this. There's a Swedish Facebook group known as Stand Up for Sweden. The group is primary political and they skew to the far right. They're anti-immigrant and generally bemoan foreigners coming to their country. Recently, some xenophobic comments were posted on the group's Facebook page, which were deemed racist and hate speech. The issue here is that the person who administers the group was slapped with a roughly $2,000 fine for not immediately censoring someone else's hate speech. Even more bizarrely, they relied on an obscure Swedish law dating back nearly three decades before Facebook or social media even existed as the legal basis to fine him. This sets a dangerous precedent that anyone can be held responsible for someone 
else's words, let alone their actions. This is where they're heading in Sweden. They're heading there in other countries as well. I don't know. You know what? All I can tell you is that if somebody makes a post and the guy's at home sleeping and he doesn't see it or he's sick for two days, can you imagine that? So now nobody wants to make any posts anymore because they're going to be scared of getting fined another $2,000. This is the same playbook you're using for a That's, yeah. Absolutely. I don't know what's going on in this world, but Sweden is all but a lost cause, and it's spreading all over Europe, and it's going to spread here if we don't hold the line and vote for the right people in the upcoming elections. From BBC, Ethiopia rejects Egypt's Nile water dam proposal. This is an important issue here because they have the Aswan Dam in Egypt. Well, they've been building another dam upriver from Egypt. And this was done at a time, well, we'll talk about it in a minute. Ethiopia has rejected Egypt's proposal over how to operate the Grand Renaissance Dam, which is being built on the Blue Nile near Ethiopia's border with Sudan. Egypt depends on the River Nile for water and is worried that the dam will worsen shortages. Egypt wanted the dam, which is nearly 70% complete, to release 40 billion cubic meters of water every year. This is not right. We do also have our own future development needs. It also puts pressure on Sudan if that amount of water passes through, said the minister. Hydroelectric power stations do not consume water, but the speed with which Ethiopia fills up the dam's reservoir will affect the flow downstream. We have a plan to start filling on the next rainy season, and we will start generating power with two turbines on December 2020. Egypt's other proposal about the Aswan Dam was also unacceptable. The Ethiopian minister said, according to Mr. Salishi, Egypt wants the level of water at Aswan to remain at a height of 541 feet and should the level drop for the Renaissance Dam to release water. This we won't accept, he said. Over the weekend, Egypt President al-Sisi was quoted as saying that the Blue Nile Dam project would never have gotten underway in 2011 had not Egypt been distracted by the Arab Spring Uprising, which was fomented by the President of the United States of America. And once again, you can see the players, Sudan and Ethiopia, are part of this Gog-Magog alliance, which is coming against Israel. Egypt is not. And you can see how everything is happening based on something that was done by a previous administration, and they allowed this to continue on. So this is the state of the world we're living in. We'll see where that goes, but once that dam is full, Egypt can do absolutely nothing about it. Because if they blow up that dam, it's all going to surge down to the Aswan Dam. It's going to take that out, and then it's going to take out all of the people on the Nile, which is 98% of all the people in Egypt live right on the Nile. So This is something that if Egypt is going to take action, which I don't think they will, but if they would, they would have to do it right now. They'd have to go in and blow up that dam and say, we're not going to allow this. But we'll see where this goes. From Mongolia this week, India Express explained how India is helping Mongolia's space flight dreams. Yes, they want to go where no man has gone before, too. Last week, India and the landlocked nation of Mongolia signed a Memorandum of Understanding on Cooperation and Usage of Outer Space for Civilian Purposes. A joint statement said that the agreement on space exploration would provide a framework for expansion of mutually beneficial cooperation, especially in the fields of remote sensing, satellite communication, and applications of space technology in areas including resource management, weather forecasting, and disaster management, and so on. A memorandum of understanding similar to the one signed this past Thursday was signed in 2004 between the Department of Space, Government of India, 
and the Ministry of Infrastructure, Government of Mongolia. That agreement provided a framework for the two countries in the areas of space, science, and technology. So little old Mongolia, with just a few million people, is working on space program themselves. Pretty wonderful stuff there. From Daniel 12 Technology Today. Just one article for you today. It's from Zero Hedge. Google's quantum supremacy to render all cryptocurrency and military secrets breakable. Google's announcement that it has achieved quantum supremacy with a 53-qubit quantum computer greases the skids for all cryptocurrency and military secrets protected by cryptography to be breakable in a stunning new development that will change the world. The big tech corporation's new quantum processor took a mere 200 seconds, get this, to complete a computing task that would normally require 10,000 years on a supercomputer. The 53-qubit quantum computer can break any 53-bit cryptography in seconds, meaning Bitcoin's 256-bit encryption is vulnerable once Google scales its quantum computing to 256 qubits, something their own scientists say will be possible by 2022. Modern military cryptography will also eventually be rendered obsolete, given that the number of qubits in Google's exponential rate, which is even faster than Moore's law. At this rate, Google will be able to break all military encryption by 2024, a frightening prospect given the company's close ties to anybody? China. The prospects of Google controlling such vast supercomputer power when it applies to the field of surveillance is also chilling. Google will rapidly come to dominate the world, controlling most of the money, all speech, all politics, most science and technology, most of the news media, and all public officials. Google will become the dominant controlling authoritarian force on planet Earth, and all humans will be subservient to its demands. Now, this is from Zero Hedge, and they're citing a person that isn't a conspiracy theorist. He's just making analysis if they allow them to continue and not be broken up. That's why the government is looking into them and breaking them up, along with Facebook and some of these other large companies. Because if they don't, this is where we're going to be forced. Democracy, truth, and freedom will be annihilated. Google has come a long way from don't be evil, remember that? That was their slogan, to establishing a monopoly over technology that will literally allow them to become the most dominant force on the planet. From Revelation Plagues today, from Fox, North American bird population has dropped by 3 billion since 1970. There are almost 3 billion fewer birds in the United States and Canada now than in 1970. That amounts to a 29% drop in the avian population over the past half century. Researchers examined a dozen databases covering decades of bird observations in the United States and Canada. They used statistical analysis to estimate trends since 1970. This loss of bird abundance signals an urgent need to address threats to avert future avifaunal collapse and associated loss of ecosystem integrity, functions, and services. The population loss affected common and rare birds alike as well as invasive species. Although the study does not specifically address why the birds are disappearing, experts believe that many species face habitat damage or loss, However, good news, the study shows that some populations, such as mallard ducks and Canadian geese, have actually increased in number since 1970. But we have 3 billion less birds 
since 1970, and I would submit to you that a lot of that has to do with wind farms, the big windmill farms. Every year, they say, I checked online, 328,000 birds are killed by wind turbines each year. That is a low number. But if you take that year by year, and you go back to when they started installing these things, probably about the 1970s, and you say, that bird has three offspring, and then three offspring, and three offspring, pretty soon you come out to the geometric ratio of 3 billion birds. So my recommendation is to get rid of all wind farms. One, they're ugly. Two, they pollute the environment more than they help the environment. And three, we would be saving a lot of birds. So that's my petition. And I think we all ought to write our president and tell him to do away with all wind farms. Okay, Zero Hedge. Brazil experiment may have accidentally created genetically modified super mosquitoes. We talked about this when they did it a few years ago, and now they think it may have happened. An experiment to deliberately release genetically modified mosquitoes into Brazil appears to have failed miserably and may have even resulted in super mosquitoes, according to a Yale research study published earlier this month. During a 27-month experiment aimed at curbing the spread of yellow fever, dengue fever, and Zika and other mosquito-borne diseases, approximately 450,000 male OX513A mosquitoes modified by UK biotech company Oxitec were released into the wild in 2013. Females who mate with the designer mosquitoes produce non-viable offspring. While Oxitec said that the man-made modifications wouldn't make it into the local insect population, wrong. While the experiment initially proved a success, dramatically reducing mosquito populations in the Brazilian city of Jacobina by up to 85%. I wish we could have that here in Sarasota because I was itching all summer. The mosquitoes adapted they adapted, yes, the claim was that genes from the release strain would not get into the general population because offspring would die. That obviously was not what happened. What's more, the OX513A genes were passed on to offspring that were able to reproduce anyway. Around the 18-month mark, the number of mosquitoes returned to pre-release levels while females opted to avoid mating with the weaker genetically modified mosquitoes at the same time in a phenomenon known as mating discrimination, something that never happens among humans. According to the paper, some of the mosquitoes likely have hybrid vigor, resulting in a more robust population than the pre-release population. So they're worse now which may be more resistant to insecticides. So now you can't even kill them. These are super monster mosquitoes. You know what? When I was a kid, I lived down on the south end of Siesta Key. Grandpa moved out there in 1971, right? I'm sorry. Grandpa moved out there 71 years ago in 1948. And I grew up out there, and it was Mosquito City. As I said before, the mosquitoes on an east wind get blowed in that direction, right? And the next stop is Texas, and they don't want to have to fly that far, so they stop on Siesta Key. And it was brutal. And so what would they do? They would bring in the DDT trucks, and they'd go up and down the road, and everything would smog, and they would pull into each one of our houses, because there were only a couple of houses on Siesta Key at the time. They would back in, and he would turn on that thing, and he would churn it for like 20 minutes until our entire property was one big fog place. And then when he left... We would run behind him because it was cool. We are all fine. There's nothing wrong with us at all, okay? And so, point being that we need to stop messing with genetics and we need to spray for mosquitoes, okay? We're fine here, believe me. Anyway, from Morality Today, KTNV-TV. 
I can't pronounce it free thee, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, where women have, everybody has them, but it's where women want to mm -hmm. expose themselves. Free no. thee something wins victory in Colorado. No, now, this, this is important because our morality is going down the tubes very quickly in this nation. But here's what happened. Now, men and women both can show a little skin in the city or actually anywhere in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, New Mexico, Kansas, or Oklahoma. If you want to go bare-breasted down the street, you can do it, male or female. It makes no difference. They have passed. They, it was challenged in the courts, and the courts allowed this. However, in 2017, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals ruled to uphold Chicago's topless ban. So we have a topless ban in Chicago, but freedom out here. Guess what's going to happen, folks? That means there are two districts in the country with opposing views on the matter. If more lawsuits pop up, do you think that's going to happen with these people? Of course it is. Around the country, the Supreme Court may have to rule on the issue. This is where we're heading in this nation. Now, I understand you can go to the South Pacific and they still live that way. All right. This is not the South Pacific. This is a country that doesn't do that. And the attempt is not to be like the South Pacific. The attempt is to reduce the morality in this nation to a point where anything goes. Absolutely anything. And so we have to see where this goes. It sounds funny, I know, but it's a very serious issue that's going on. And those states, imagine that, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, New Mexico, Kansas, and Oklahoma, if a woman wants to walk down the street with no top on, they can say nothing. Less is more, said no liberal. That's right. Less is more, said no liberal ever. From Zero Hedge, John Hopkins professor, this guy's going to be on the hot seat, isn't he? On child transgender trend, he says many will regret this. He's going to be in big trouble for saying this. He'll probably get fired. A psychiatrist from John Hopkins University has slammed the medical and psychiatric industries for what he says is reckless and irresponsible treatment of patients who claim to be transgender. Paul McHugh, a renowned psychiatrist from Johns Hopkins University told the College Fix he believes transgender people are being experimented on because the doctors treating transgender patients with hormones don't have evidence that the treatment will be the right one. He also criticized the manner of treatment given to many children who claim to be transgender. Many people are doing what amounts to an experiment on these young people without telling them it is an experiment. You need evidence for that, and this is a very serious treatment. It is comparable to doing frontal lobotomies. A recent study published in the American Journal of Preventive Medicine found that 80% of gender minority students report having mental health problems, nearly double the rate of cisgender students. McHugh believes that in many cases, the patient's gender dysphoria is precipitated by mental illness. Asked about the possible long-term consequences of the growing practice of helping children develop transgender identities, including with hormones, McHugh expressed pessimism. They're going to be in the hands of doctors for the rest of their lives. Many of them are going to be sterilized, not able to have their own children, and many will regret this. This, yeah, it is sad, but as he said, it is an experiment by the left on how we can mess with people until they're not people anymore. They're mutants. From our other category, from Yahoo, banks just changed the rules of the negative rate game for Danes. That means people in Denmark, Danes, okay, not the dogs, Great Danes. All right, Denmark is about to become a test case for what happens when banks start charging a lot of customers to store their money. 
That's because one of the country's biggest banking groups just changed the rules of the game by removing the floodgate that had shielded most retail depositors. Until Friday, a week ago, only people with roughly $1 million in surplus cash at their banks were facing a negative rank. What that means is you got a million dollars in the bank and they actually take money from you. They don't give you interest. They take money from you. And that was only people with a million dollars or more. They are now reducing that. Now the threshold has been reduced to just over $100,000. So if you have retirement and it's worth $100,000, they're going to be taking money from you every single month from you instead of giving you money for you, giving them their money to use with no guarantee that it won't go lower. That means you could have $10,000 in the bank. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Because their economy is broken and because they need people to spend their money. And if you put your money in the bank, you're not spending the money. You're not stimulating the social programs. You're not giving the government your money. You're keeping your money. And so they're taking your money that is in the bank away from you. That is why they're doing this. And this is spreading. This is spreading. Anyway, we'll go on. The threshold has been reduced to just over 100000 with no guarantee that it won't go lower. Other banks have hinted they'll follow, and economists say the development marks a major shift in how monetary policy will be felt across the economy. Normally, low rates encourage more household spending as it gets cheaper to borrow and less appealing to save. In Denmark, negative rates have led to a surge in mortgage refinancing, but They've also coincided with a record buildup of consumer deposits. And as is the case in much of the rest of Europe, inflation is missing in action. Households have gotten all of the benefits of negative rates so far, but now they're starting to see the bad side of negative rates. For consumers, it's made more sense to keep their cash in deposit account that paid zero rather than invest in short-term market products and negative yields. This guy Jaisky's decision now has implications for everything from debt levels to inflation. Bad times are ahead, and this is spreading all over the place. They're actually talking about negative rates here in the United States because things are not working, because we've got liberals that spend money and they won't stop, and they keep spending it, and they keep spending it, and keep taking it from the people that earn it and give it to people that don't earn it. That's where we're at. From Zero Hedge, Marshall Islands creating new cryptocurrency and push to de-dollarize. This is the Marshall Islands who uses the dollar. Little Island is now going into cryptocurrency. You can see how the world is getting primed for the one world monetary system, one world religion, one world government. It's all coming. The Republic of the Marshall Islands has been using the U.S. dollar since 1979. But that could all change as the country with a population of 75,000 could soon issue a sovereign currency in digital form using blockchain technology. You're talking about 75,000 people out in the middle of nowhere dealing with blockchain technology. That is pretty astonishing. David Paul, the environment minister and minister in assistance to the president of the Republic of Marshall Islands, spoke at an Invest Asia 2019 conference in Singapore about a new blockchain-based national currency. With the blockchain technology in place, we thought this was an opportune time to establish our own legal tender and lessen the nation's dependence on the dollar. As a small country, it's going to be easier and faster for us to make decisions and respond to the market as a digital coin is introduced. Marshall Island's effort to de-dollarize started after the terror attacks on September 2001, Paul said, when the global money system endured new financial regulations that made transactions harder to perform. 
Right now, we have only one relationship with one correspondent bank. And if that's lost, we would be cut off. Only one bank is handling the entire Marshall Islands. And if something happens to them, they've got nothing. So now they are going into the digital currency realm. They say our correspondent banking relationship is commercial and a nation being held hostage by a commercial relationship should not be the case. Well, I'd agree with that, but they're being forced into something which, unfortunately, we're not ready to handle in this nation, apparently. But from the Hill, second Pacific Island nation in a week cuts ties with Taiwan, the island nation of Kiribati became the second Pacific country to cut diplomatic ties with Taiwan within a week, announcing that it would instead recognize the government in Beijing as the head of China. A spokesman for China's foreign ministry called the decision a sign of an irresistible trend of nations recognizing Taiwan as a part of China under Beijing's rule. This fully testifies to the fact that the one China principle meets the shared aspiration of the people and constitutes an irresistible trend of the times. Those used to dollar diplomacy may not understand that certain principles cannot be bought with money, neither can trust. That's the most laughable statement in the world because China's the one that goes in and invests in these people and then says that if you want this investment to continue, you need to recognize us instead of Taiwan. And further, they give them, as we saw last week, soft loans. We give them all kinds of things that they have to repay five or 10 or 20 years down the line. And when that bill comes due, they say, guess what? You now have to recognize us or we are going to impound your island. You belong to us now. It's enslavement. So it's the most laughable thing in the world, which they just said. The decision reportedly comes after Taiwan denied Kiribati's request for massive financial assistance for the purpose of purchasing commercial aircraft. Taiwan cuts them off, and so they go to the Chinese, who already have their foot in the door. It's all dollar diplomacy for these little nations that don't know which way to turn. All of it. From Weasel Zippers, DHS head, illegal crossings in area of new wall drops from 300 to 500 a day to only 30 to 50 a day. Oh, they actually work, don't they? And the 30 or 50 that come in just walk around the wall, but the other ones say, I'm not walking that far, I'm going back home. But it works. Business Insider, the U.S. government warns people against using anybody? Conditioner after a nuclear explosion. It could trap radiation in your hair. There you go, guys. Don't put conditioner in your hair. You got a nuclear explosion down the road, and you're not going to put conditioner in your hair. Oh, the humanity. Yeah, my hair is going to be fizzy. Wow. Unbelievable. Okay, well, there you go. I just thought I'd pass that on to you for a little warning. Okay, I've got a lesser cure for you. Let's see if you can guess which article this is about. Religious freedom's a right. Some nations consider a blight. But Trump's made the call that freedom's for all, so come, let us stand in the light. Good job, guys. Okay, i got an irony, one irony for you here. But before I do, I'd like to let you know that Sergio and Rhoda have come out with their latest video. It's uh, from the town of Eilat in the south of Israel. It's a very good video. I would hope that you would click on it. It will be at the end of the uh, Prophecy Update, and I'll also link it in the comments. So you can uh, watch that from this YouTube uh, video after you're done. Please do. It's wonderful. Anyway, from the Tribune, man tells police he took neighbor's items to prevent theft. 
A 32-year-old brownstone man was arrested after he told investigators he took items from his neighbor's home to help prevent others from stealing them. Assistant Chief Joe Kelly said a resident called police to report he was missing some items from inside his house. Those items included a television, weed trimmer, desktop computer, leaf blower, pressure washer, and a drill set, Kelly said. But he was just saving them so nobody would steal them from his neighbor. Yeah, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaan Bitar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.